0: This is Positive Parenting, parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello and welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. Since 1982, millions of parents and educators have turned to Jim Trelease's beloved classic, the Read Aloud Handbook, to help countless children become avid readers through awakening their imaginations and improving their language skills. Jim Treleese was a guest on this show and had a wonderful conversation back when the book was in maybe its third or fourth edition. Now, Jim Treleese has retired, and sadly... But the book itself is very much alive and is now in its eighth edition. And we've got the new editor of the book who's going to be telling us more about the benefits, the rewards, and the importance of reading aloud to the current generation of children of all backgrounds. And she's going to be able to identify and update a lot of the research that's been done in the many years since the first edition of Jim's book came out, as well as give us recommendations for how to read, what to read, when to read, how long to read, pretty much everything there is to know about reading to kids and why you want to do it. Because it's not only good for your kids, it's great for you as well. I'm Armin Brott. We'll start talking about reading to kids and the important difference that it makes to everybody concerned when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brant, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. 911. What is your emergency? My kid shot himself. All right. Where's the wounds? 911. What's your emergency? Please help my son <laughs> shot his
1: brother. 911. What is your emergency? Okay. 911. Please state your emergency.
0: Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. It wasn't locked. It wasn't locked. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Bront, and my guest for this part of today's show is Cindy Georges, who's the co-author of Jim Treleese's Read Aloud Handbook, the eighth edition, if you can believe that. Cindy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Well, I'm really glad you're here because the topic of reading and reading to kids is something that we talk about a lot on the show, and it's something I'm I'm very committed to having read to three kids from the moment they were born until the moment they squirmed and wouldn't come back. Uh, So I'm I'm glad to have you on. Thank you. What has changed over the last, say, 20 years? And it sounds like you've been doing—you were just talking before we went on the air about interviewing authors, and you've been involved in reading to kids and in in children's literature for a long time. Has anything really changed over the last 20 years?
1: Well, I think what's changed most recently is, of course, technology and children's access to digital devices. And um, while that's wonderful and um, certainly piques curiosity and interest and um, entertains and engages children, um, I think they're also um, being handed to children without adult involvement, parent or educator involvement, and I, I see that as the biggest change is that even though there are a lot of stories that are available um, on, on digital devices, on iPads and things, they, we still need the interaction um, between parent and child. Um, in in reading those stories that it shouldn't be a device to just um, kind of, I hate to say, I don't want to use the word babysit, but but just to entertain children but without any kind of adult involvement.
0: Oh, right. You don't want to just park them in front of, of a book any more than you'd want to park them in front of a TV program, or pro- I guess probably a little bit more than you'd want to park them in front of a TV program. But, so talk about some of the benefits that there are, to kids and also to parents or whoever it is, the adult or the older child for that matter, who's doing the reading?
1: Uh, the benefits to the reader? Well, to um, the reader
0: and the, the listener, to both. The
1: reader and the listener. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a, a lot of benefits. First of all, just that whole opportunity to bond um, between parent and child or, or teacher and child um, just creating that relationship, that bonding relationship. Reading loud entertains kids. It reassures them. Um, it informs or explains different things um, about uh, our world. Um, it also arouses curiosity, um, you know, looking at a book and, and learning about things. And it inspires kids maybe to, to um, do something or to, to be kind or to go into sports. Um, But also there's all those educational um, advantages of building vocabulary, uh, creating background knowledge about a variety of different topics and subjects. Um, When we read aloud to kids, we're providing a reading model on how to read, our fluency, our expression. So we're a great reading model. Um, And through all of this, what we want to do is inspire kids to want to read and to show them that reading is a pleasurable activity and that they want to do this themselves. When I would read to my first graders uh, a book and i you know, put it you know, up to the side when I was done, the children immediately wanted to read that book. Because I've endorsed that book, I've said, wow, this is a great book, you've heard this book, and now they wanted to revisit the, the story on their own.
0: Right, and, and I think we should, should mention that, as you mentioned, literacy and vocabulary and kids who are read aloud to are better prepared for school when they finally do get into school. Uh, I think that the whole idea of getting kids interested in reading, and I know that it, became, it was a big thing when the Harry Potter books first came out, that that was considered to be one of the, the big advantages, was all of a sudden, boys, who some of whom are reluctant readers and are lagging behind girls in, in reading anyway, all of a sudden became big readers, and they were whipping through these books, and then there were other books that came along after that that that, that have helped that. But getting kids interested in reading is such an important thing, as you mentioned, also because of the, the devices. And I think kids are reading less generally. So it, it's such a critical thing. And to start with young kids is important. So when do you start? What's your theory on that one?
1: Well, you can start um, when the baby's in utero. I mean, you can start... Um, reading aloud before the baby's born, there's a number of um, research studies that have shown that um, babies in the womb um, start to, to hear their, their mother's voice um, and um, associate that with um, pleasure and, um, and so that they can recognize um, their mother's voice. But certainly once a child is born, and I think I read one time in one of your columns that Um, you, somebody said, well, you know, why should I read aloud to a baby? A baby doesn't understand the book. And, um, but they do understand that closeness, that bonding. They start looking at um, your pictures and, and, and starting to see colors and we start pointing to things and naming things. So we need to start reading aloud immediately. And it's such an amazing opportunity. I, I have an example in the book, there was a movie, Three Men and a Baby, and um, Tom Selleck's character is reading aloud to the baby that's been, you know, left on their doorstep, and his roommate comes in and says, why, why are you reading aloud to this baby, you know, what, what are you reading? And he says, well, I'm reading this article about boxing, and he says, why, and he said, because it doesn't matter what I'm reading, it just matters that I'm having this time with this child, essentially, and bonding with this baby. And so we just have to remember that, too, that um, it's, it's more important that we read aloud than at early on than maybe what we read aloud, but just having that wonderful experience. But let's start early and let's continue as long as we possibly can.
0: Well, let's talk about that since that's the other end of it, and I mentioned that I I did it until my kids wouldn't let me do it anymore and they'd be squirming and running around. There's a stage in there where where my, my middle daughter was a big squirmer, and I continued to read to her. When she would get up and she was maybe, I don't know, five or something like that, she'd get up and she'd walk around the room and she'd act like she wasn't paying attention. But if I made a mistake and I started to make mistakes on purpose, she would correct me from across the room. Or if I left out a word or said something in, in, in an accent that I hadn't used in previous editions when I had read it to her before with different accents or things, she would she would correct me. So the fact that they're squirming around doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't able to be read to. Uh, you don't have to have them in your lap, right?
1: Oh, exactly. Um, you know, they may be walking around, rolling around, sitting under a table, whatever. Um, but they are listening, and um, sometimes I think that frustrates us as parents and, and teachers that they're not sitting quietly, and, and um, we're thinking that they have to be focused in. Um, really, they are listening, and we need to remember that, that it's, it's not always um, the experience we create in our mind. It's the experience that we create with the child um, that is, is making the difference. So yeah. um, I don't think we should give up. <clears throat> Excuse me. We should never give up and thinking they're not listening anymore. And sometimes it's just changing the book
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or then the the story, or, or maybe um, it's too long. Or let's read some poetry, or read a few pages of a nonfiction book, um, pull out um, a comic book or a graphic novel. So I think sometimes we have to vary the the materials, and um, and and if it's not working, you know, let it go. Don't don't drag a child through it. Um, I have a friend, Scott Riley, who was reading aloud to his teenage daughter, and um, he thought she was losing interest, and he said, do do, do you want to just stop reading this book? And she said, no, no, I I need to know what happened. So we also should talk to kids (laughs) about, are you enjoying the book? What about it um, is kind of capturing your interest? Um, And so I I think that we just have to remember that uh, as we – you know, especially with parents that, you know, just because your child isn't sitting there quietly doesn't mean that he or she isn't listening and isn't really being impacted by the story. Because probably you also have had experiences, too, where you don't even think that um, something has stayed with them, and then maybe a week or two weeks or a month later, something pops up.
0: I'm talking with Cindy Georges, who's the author of Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook. It's the 8th edition. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking to Cindy about reading and uh, how to do it exactly and then what kinds of things, how to pick things, and a lot more about reading to kids and being a reader and what it's like to, to be read to. I'm Armand Brat, and you're listening to Positive Parenting. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn, Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, I'm Armin Brott, and talking with Cindy Georges, who's the co-author with Jim. I guess is it the author or co-author of Jim Trulise's Read Aloud Handbook, the eighth edition. And we were just talking about reading, and you were saying some uh, very interesting about paying attention to to what the child is interested in and. And I want to go to the to the very youngest audiences. I think a, a mistake that parents make, and I, I think I, I made this mistake certainly several times myself and before I learned about it, probably by reading one of the early editions of this book, uh, that you don't have to finish the book, that you need to pay attention to cues from your infant that the child is not interested anymore because you want to make sure that reading is associated with pleasure and fun and enjoyment and if you make them sit there until you're done, it can be associated with with discomfort and unpleasantness.
1: Yes, definitely, and 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 just, I think you raised a really good point. You know, just take the cue from your child. If they're just not engaged, let it go, and we'll build that. Kind of reading stamina over a period of time. Maybe when you first start reading aloud, maybe it's just a you know, maybe it's ten minutes or maybe it's five minutes. And and just as we continue reading, um, spending more time, especially if they're engaged with the story, if you're using, um, you said. Sometimes when you read aloud, use you, you know different voices and you know different accents and um, you know reading that story with some enthusiasm and, and excitement and and don't ever feel embarrassed that you're doing that. Sometimes I have parents come, oh, I'm I'm a little self-conscious when I start you know reading aloud and I'm using different voices and it's like that's what gets kids engaged. So think also about how you're reading aloud that book and pre-read a book too if possible. Or if it kind of is slowing down a little bit, and and maybe the child's losing some interest, maybe read ahead a little bit and see. Well, maybe I can kind of skip over a little bit of it, or, or just not finish it at all. Too is always an option.
0: How do you go about selecting the right books for? the right kids. I mean, you mentioned the anecdote from Three Men and a Baby with Tom Selleck's character reading a bo- an article about boxing and, and pointing out very correctly that it doesn't matter for for very little babies what you read. It's all about the tone of voice and the, the being next to each other and maybe the skin-to-skin contact or just the baby hearing your voice. But at some point, it it does begin to make a difference what you read because you want to read not just for tone of voice but for... Hey, this is what little sheep look like, or puppies, or kittens, or identifying things and colors and shapes. So, th- how do you know when the child is ready for introducing actual information as opposed to just the sound of the voice?
1: Um, I think you just keep trying different books. Um, you know, early uh, as as um, as a child starts pointing at things or or um, kind of maybe recognizing things, I think you just start you start trying them. Um, you know, board books are so great, especially those that board books kind of have a laminated surface. So, you know, when a baby, will maybe start chewing on it. Um, so those are always good. But select books early on that have very bright colors. They don't have a lot of objects on a page. If you want your child to maybe start identifying, they start speaking, they're, they're starting to speak, you know, definitely start choosing books that uh, might have, common objects on the pages, an apple, a dog, a cat, um, and and use those types of books. Again, listen to your child. Your child will tell you so much if you're just paying attention. But then um, also... I had a colleague actually stop by my office this morning, and, and um, her baby is about six months old, and she said, you know, I don't know if I could read one more board book um, with just one word on a page. And so, you know, I, I recommended, well, start thinking about books. Mother Goose Rhymes are great. Rhyming um, books. Um, Mem Fox is a great author for that. Kevin Henkes, um, that have a little bit more um, simpler book, picture books. But yet they have some great lyrical language, Candace Fleming. I mean, there's a lot of those authors that we can start reading those picture books. And again, as I said earlier, let's start building that reading stamina Mm -hmm. that they're able to engage a little bit longer.
0: And how do you explain the fact that sometimes they want to have the same book read 300 times? Oh. I mean, the, the necessity for variety is there, but there's also the necessity for mindless repetition. In, in in the the view of the adult,
1: well, it is in the view of the adult. But revisiting that book um, brings security. They know the book. They know the story. They now say they're reading the book, and, and in a way they are because they know how the story unfolds. They they know. They start learning those early literacy skills that print works. You know, from left to right how a book is held, how we, you know, we turn the page. But it's that, that sense of comfort and and knowing and security and enjoyment too. I mean, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, um, by Bill Martin Jr. I mean that's I'm sure a book too you've probably read, or Good Night Moon. But there's something wonderful about, I mean, as adults we watch movies, you know, multiple times. You're listening to a song over and over. So it's kind of that same idea, something that we've enjoyed and they just want to revisit. But it's also that they also feel that they are being able to be successful in reading that aloud as well.
0: I was curious, in this edition of the book, and I I must admit that I haven't seen the the seventh or sixth edition. I I think I skipped a few there. But I noticed, I think, a new section on dads and the important role that dads are playing. Why did you want to focus on that? I'm
1: so glad you've mentioned that. Dads are so important in reading aloud and with literacy development for their children. We don't have enough dads who are reading to their children, and there's been several research studies recently that show that the impact that dads have on their child's, both boys and girls, literacy development, is actually a little bit more, um, a little bit stronger than even with with mothers. And I know that You talked about this one time uh, in that children don't have a lot of men as teachers during their preschool or elementary Mm -hmm. school years, or even sometimes into middle and high school. So, um, boys and girls are not, but particularly boys, are not seeing reading as a masculine activity. Um, And so that kind of is influencing what is happening. But also, dads read different books and they also read books differently so um oh i'll just use the example of diary of a wimpy kid um it sounds a lot better when a dad reads that (laughs) book uh, about this middle school you know child's experiences and um it sounds different when when dad reads it than when mom reads it and sometimes dads love to you know read funny books um and i they're just, they're just different selections. So I cannot express enough how important that dads read aloud to their children and to, to really impact their their yeah. literacy development, yeah. but also more importantly to also create that amazing, wonderful bond um, between parent and child.
0: And also, again, to get back to that relationship thing, and, and you mentioned in, in that chapter some two areas that I've talked about also in, in the work that I've done, Military dads and dads who are in prison, and in, in both of those situations, prison and military, the the population is predominantly male, and this predominantly male who happen to have long periods of time where they're separated from their children, and so there are organizations united through, through reading is one of them. That does work with military and they have the dads record themselves reading stories and then they make sure that the kids get those stories so that the kids have a way of interacting with dad, even when he's not there. And of course that works just as well for moms, but because we're talking about prisons or or military, it does tend to be more male, but the idea of reading even when you're not physically there can help do wonderful things for the relationship.
1: And I love the United through reading program where they do record the book. They usually send the book along with the recording. And I hadn't thought about, I thought, well, why didn't they just do more of a, you know, video chat or something like that? And it, it was because, you know, they're in different time zones and you know they're they can't always make that connection. And also when the child has the book and then the recording of their, their father or, or mother reading it, they can revisit it multiple times and that voice is always there for them to, to listen to. And I also encourage uh, fathers who, who may not be, you know, living in the the home Um, or Travels for Business, to also always have a book with them that, you know, when they FaceTime or or video chat with their child at night, read aloud a couple pages. Keep that connection going.
0: Wonderful advice, and there's a lot more wonderful advice in the book. Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook, and it's written by Cindy Georges. It's G-I-O-R-G-I-S if you're looking for it. Cindy, thanks so much for joining us. Great to have you.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armand Brott, and it's time for an Ask Mr. Dad segment. Dear Mr. Dad, my wife is due in about two months, and we're worried about our dog, a 120-pound Bernese Mountain dog who's less of a pet and more a part of the family. We keep hearing that it's dangerous to have a giant dog around a newborn and that we should start looking for a new home for him. is it? Is it? And is there some way to prepare our dog and keep our baby safe? Unfortunately, there's no way to predict with 100% accuracy how animals are going to react in any given situation. But you can get some hints by asking yourself these questions about your pet. What is the dog's personality? Is he aggressive or territorial? Does he growl or bite? Does he jump on you, the furniture, or guests? Has he spent time with children? Does he like children? How protective is he of his toys? Could he possibly confuse a neatly wrapped-up baby with a chewable toy? Does he bark when he wants attention? Does he understand and obey basic commands? I'm sure you can figure out which of these questions need a yes and which need a no. I'd also check out the American Temperament Test Society's website, which is atts.org, for ballpark info on your dog's breed. But regardless of how much you love your dog and how high his test scores, there's always some risk. According to MaxLawC.com, of the 4.5 million people who get bitten by dogs every year, more than half occur in children under 10, and most of those are children under 5. About 70% of those bites are to the face and happen during feeding, petting, or playing. Most of those dogs live in the victim's home and have no history of biting. That's the bad news. The good news is that there are ways to reduce those risks. And the time to start is right now, long before the baby arrives. The goal is to get the dog acclimated to the changes that are going to happen, some of which he may not be thrilled with. That way, he won't blame the new baby for ruining his life, which is exactly what most first-born human pups think when they're confronted with a baby who knocks them out of the center of the universe. Some of the changes will be fairly easy. For example, you can download some baby cries from the internet and play them every few hours to get the dog used to the sound. If you've got friends or relatives with infants or small children, start inviting them over so the dog can check out what a baby looks like, acts like, sounds like, and smells like. Next, set up the baby's room now and let the dog check out the crib, changing table, diapers, wipes, etc. If you've already got a stroller, take it with you when you're walking the dog. You want to get him used to walking beside it without trying to drag it into the middle of the street. While you're doing all this, you'll also want to be getting your dog used to the new rules of the house. Again, long before the baby arrives. For example, if he sleeps on your bed, you'll probably want to break that habit. Same goes for barking indoors, jumping on the furniture, or jumping on people. If you're able to do the re-educating, great. If not, you may want to hire a dog trainer who's got experience preparing dogs for babies. Michael Wambacher's book, Good Dog, Happy Baby, is a great resource, as is Please Don't Bite the Baby by Lisa Edwards. And for the pure entertainment value, just check out Good Dog Carl and the other books in that series by Alexandra Day.